Broadcast to the center of your mind. This is the Counter Power Half Hour. This is Astoria. Welcome to the Counter Power Half Hour. When we remember Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X, we tend to think of them as opposites. King is thought of in terms of nonviolence and integration, while Malcolm is characterized by violence and hate. At the time of King's death in 1968, black leaders thought of them as alternatives between which black people had to choose instead of thinking of them as complementary and as both offering answers to the problems of African Americans. In their early years as political observers and activists, King and Malcolm had many varying, and often oppositional, opinions on issues within the civil rights movement and the United States. These issues included black integration into or separation from mainstream American society, violence, critiques of the United States, and the role of whites in the civil rights movement. But these oppositional opinions between King and Malcolm were not permanent, as they both drifted away from their original positions and began to think about things in similar ways. Starting in 1964, Malcolm X began to move towards the view of Martin Luther King Jr., and starting in 1965, Martin Luther King Jr.'s views began to move towards Malcolm X's. Before we go into the convergence of the political thought of Malcolm and King, we have to understand their thoughts and opinions before 1964 and 1965, respectively. Here's a clip from Malcolm's speech, The Black Revolution, from June 1963. Will these awakened black masses demand integration into the white society that enslaved them, or will they demand complete separation from that cruel white society that has enslaved them? The black masses don't want to integrate. The masses want to separate. We don't want segregation, nor do we want integration. As we just heard, Malcolm's oratory prior to 1964 was characterized by the separation of blacks from white and American society. He also dismissed the civil rights movement in the South and King's integrationism as a plausible solution to the problems of blacks in America. Malcolm also criticized the methods of King and the civil rights movement. In a 1963 speech, Malcolm asserted that white liberals controlled African Americans and their vote by controlling the civil rights leaders. Malcolm's speeches before 1964 were also colored by his membership in the Nation of Islam and Elijah Muhammad's influence on him. Malcolm considered Muhammad's interpretation of Islam to be a weapon against the oppression of blacks in America, writing that Islam would undo what the white men had done to the minds of black people. It's important to note that Malcolm's religious views were at the center of his views on civil rights during the early 60s, and his support of segregation was described in terms of his faith, rather than in terms of a political process. On the other hand, the speeches and sermons of King prior to 1965 are characterized by integrationism. We can hear this in one of King's sermons delivered in 1957 in Montgomery, Alabama. Let us never fight with falsehood and violence and hate and malice, but always fight with love so that when the day comes that the walls of segregation have completely crumbled in Montgomery, that we will be able to live with people as our brothers and King's oratory was also characterized by faith in, and love for, the United States. In a June 1963 speech in Detroit, King used religious language to describe to the crowd how love for their enemies would, quote, make the American dream a reality, end quote. He also made appeals to American history, using the examples of Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson to further his argument. 
King's thought was also characterized by nonviolence. According to King, nonviolence had achieved a lot, and he used the decline of segregation on buses in the South as evidence of that fact. Of course, Christianity was also a major feature of King's political thought. For example, King appealed to the Bible for arguments in support of nonviolence. Major events in the lives of both King and Malcolm occurred that led to a break and change in each of their political views, and ultimately led to similarities in their political thought. One of the reasons for the change in Malcolm's political perspective towards that of King was his break with Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam. By 1963, Malcolm had been concerned about Muhammad's violations of the Nation of Islam's sexual code. But the major reason for the split was Malcolm's comments on the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, made in December 1963, when Malcolm said that JFK's assassination was due to the hatred that whites had created and tolerated. He said that, quote, the chickens had come home to roost, end quote. Muhammad had forbidden his ministers to comment on the issue, so Malcolm's comment was thus a violation. After a 90-day suspension, and without Muhammad's confirmation of Malcolm's status within the Nation of Islam, Malcolm left the organization. Malcolm's membership in the Nation of Islam had limited his ability to engage with society and change it, and his split led him to entertain possibilities about things he had chosen to ignore before. A second major cause of Malcolm's turn towards the perspective of King was his travels in 1964. The Hajj led Malcolm to observe race in a way that he had not before. In his April 15, 1964 diary entry, Malcolm wrote, quote, Never in America had I received such respect. People white, black, brown, red, and yellow all act alike, as one, as brothers. As they give the same honor to the same God, they in turn give the same honor to each other. End quote. In a letter back to New York City, dated May 5, 1964, Malcolm wrote, quote, Witnessing this Hajj has opened my eyes to the real brotherhood created by Islam among people of all colors. End quote. Upon his return to America, Malcolm made an effort to become involved with militant elements in the civil rights movement. Now let's look at King's shifting perspectives. What King saw during his time in the northern states caused his thought to turn towards Malcolm's. Racism took a different form in the north than it did in the south. The Watts riots happened in 1965 in the Watts neighborhood of Los Angeles. The riots were a direct response to police brutality on an African-American motorist. The driver was pulled over for reckless driving, though the situation evolved into a fight between the motorist, his family, and police. Accusations of police brutality spread throughout Los Angeles, and there were six days of arson and looting in LA. Though King went to Los Angeles to preach nonviolence as a solution, the rioters there did not see nonviolence as a solution to continued racism and police brutality. Also, for King, witnessing the conditions of northern black ghettos made Malcolm's previous observations clear. The passing of laws guaranteeing equality did not affect the situations that many poor blacks faced in the north. The Watts riots made King realize that equality for blacks couldn't exist in America so as long as social and economic inequality existed. The second major reason that caused King's political thought to move towards Malcolm's was the rise of black power within the civil rights movement. Though King initially disapproved of the phrase black power because of its exclusionary tone towards whites and its vague definition and stance on violence, he came to use it after realizing that the leaders of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee and the Congress of Racial Equality would continue to use the phrase. King defined black power in terms of the self-esteem of blacks, black pride, black power to enter mainstream society, appreciation of black history, 
and the idea that black was beautiful. The rise of black power in the civil rights movement ultimately led to King's advocacy of black separatism. A third cause of King's shift towards Malcolm was a change in his opinion of white American liberals. King was particularly frustrated with whites who stopped supporting the civil rights movement as a result of riding by blacks, and their concern with order rather than equality. Whites who had supported King while he was working for equality in the South abandoned him when he began to work in the North for economic equality for blacks and poor people in American cities. As a result, King moved towards Malcolm's perspective and didn't see white liberals as truly supporting the cause for black freedom. Also, King moved towards Malcolm in the sense that he began to advocate temporary segregation. The similarities between the political thought of Malcolm from 1964 and King from 1965 can be seen in their public statements, speeches, and sermons. After witnessing the poverty afflicting blacks in northern cities that Malcolm had observed much earlier than he did, King's focus shifted to an analysis of political and economic equality in the United States, and he came to support a radical change in the American economic system, capitalism, and in American values. We can hear the shift in King's August 1967 speech. There are literally two Americas. One America is beautiful for situation. And in a sense, this America is overflowing with the milk of prosperity and the honey of opportunity. This America is the habitat of millions of people who have food and material necessities for their bodies, and culture and education for their minds, and freedom and human dignity for their spirits. In this America, millions of people experience every day the opportunity of having life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in all of their dimensions. And in this America, millions of young people grow up in the sunlight of opportunity. But tragically and unfortunately, there is another America. In this America, millions of work-starved men walk the streets daily in search for jobs that do not exist. In this America, millions of people find themselves living in rat-infested, vermin-filled slums. In this America, people are poor by the millions. And they find themselves perishing on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. The themes of economic inequality differ largely from King's earlier speeches that we looked at, where he focused a lot on a love of America. In this clip from Malcolm's April 1964 speech, The Ballad or the Bullet, we can hear the similar focus on class and economic inequality. We suffer political oppression, economic exploitation, and social degradation, all of them from the same enemy. The government has failed us. You can't deny that. 
the focus on economic inequality was also present in a speech delivered in December 1964, when Malcolm used one of King's own observations of Scandinavia to demonstrate that America, quote, is the richest country on earth and there's poverty, there's bad housing, there's slums, there's inferior education, end quote. Another major element in the harmonization of King's and Malcolm's political perspectives was the issue of segregation and integration. As we saw earlier, King's speeches before 1965 were colored by a love for America and integration into American society, and he tended to emphasize his American identity. After 1965, King's rhetoric shifted and, like Malcolm's, became far more critical of the United States. Listen to this clip of King's 1967 speech, Where Do We Go From Here? With all the struggle and all the achievements, we must face the fact, however, that the Negro still lives in the basement of the great society, even where the door has been forced partially open, mobility for the Negro is still sharply restricted. In consequence, Negroes are still impoverished aliens in an affluent society. In that clip, we heard King critique Johnson's Great Society programs and the lack of meaningful change it created for blacks. King also said that America was still a racist country, despite any progress that had been made in the civil rights movement, and the issue of racism would never be solved unless it was acknowledged that racism was at the center of so much of American society. King came to believe that the issue of integration required temporary segregation in order to achieve total integration. These new elements in King's political perspective were similar to Malcolm's constant critiques of America. Here's a part of Malcolm's April 1964 speech, The Ballad or the Bullet. We see America through the eyes of someone who has been the victim of Americanism. We don't see any American dream. We've experienced only the American nightmare. We haven't benefited from America's democracy. We've only suffered from America's hypocrisy. And the generation that's coming up now can see it and are not afraid to say it. If if you go to jail, so what? If you're black, you were born in jail. The evolution of King's view of America coincided with Malcolm's critique of America and shows another similarity between King's and Malcolm's political thought. Malcolm's and King's thought also came together in their views of the civil rights movement itself. Before the Hajj, Malcolm had no interest in cooperating with other civil rights leaders. Here he is in 1963, giving the speech, Message to the Grassroots. In this clip, he's making reference to King. When he gonna wanna put knots on your head and take advantage of you and don't have to be afraid of you fighting back, to keep you from fighting back, he get these old religious Uncle Tom to teach you and me that just like Novocaine, suffer peacefully. Don't stop suffering, just suffer peacefully. But Malcolm's break from the Nation of Islam presented an opportunity for him to join the broader civil rights movement, as he recognized that the Nation of Islam did not offer anything for black people in the South. Malcolm was aware of King's popularity among the civil rights movement due to his ability to transcend boundaries, and Malcolm was inspired to do the same. He wanted to combine the radical ideas that came from the civil rights movement and his own ideas. We can see this in his March 1964 speech, A Declaration of Independence, which was given very shortly after Malcolm left the Nation of Islam and before he went on the Hajj. Malcolm presented a conciliatory attitude towards the civil rights movement, 
saying that civil rights leaders, quote, must find a common approach, a common solution to a common problem. As of this minute, I've forgotten everything bad that the other leaders have said about me, and I pray that they can also forget the many bad things I've said about them, end quote. In 1965, Malcolm also discussed the importance of the civil rights leaders being in unity with each other. The platform for Malcolm's attempt at unity with King and the civil rights movement was Muslim Mosque Incorporated, which was to enable participation of blacks in political, social, and economic programs, regardless of their religious beliefs. King's move towards black nationalism presents another way in which King and Malcolm's perspectives on civil rights met. In the speech, Where Do We Go From Here?, given in 1967, King makes several references to black affirmation. The Negro must rise up with an affirmation of his own Olympian manhood. Any movement for the Negro's freedom that overlooks this necessity is only waiting to be buried. As long as the mind is enslaved, the body can never be free. Psychological freedom affirms sense of self-esteem is the most powerful weapon against the long night of physical slavery. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation, no Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can totally bring this kind of freedom. The Negro will only be free when he reaches down to the inner depths of his own being and signs with the pen and ink of assertive manhood, his own emancipation proclamation. In the same speech, King discusses organizing black economic and political power to escape the white power structure. Now another basic challenge is to discover how to organize our strength into economic and political power. And no one can deny that the Negro is in dire need of this kind of legitimate power. Stripped of the right to make decisions concerning his life and destiny, he has been subject to the authoritarian and sometimes whimsical decisions of the white power structure. This affirmation was not present in earlier speeches or sermons by King. Prior to 1965, King mostly mentioned white people, or black people who had gained approval by whites, as people who were good examples of how to act. After 1965, King made reference to black people who were not as acceptable to whites as worthy leaders. King's move towards black nationalism led his thought to be very similar to Malcolm's. In 1964, Malcolm defined black nationalism as having political and economic dimensions. The political philosophy of black nationalism only means that the black man should control the politics and the politicians in his own community. The economic philosophy of black nationalism only means that we should own and operate and control the economy of our community. But Malcolm eventually moved past this, and in 1965, he had a hard time articulating a particular philosophy for black liberation in America. Another aspect of similarity in the thought of Malcolm and King was their opinion on white liberal Americans. King's disillusionment with the opinions of white liberals with regards to the civil rights movement came largely as a result of his activities in the North. White liberals in northern cities dismissed riots and the integration of schools and were indifferent to the role of the United States in the Vietnam War. This led King's view of whites to be very similar to Malcolm's in the sense that they both believed that only a minority of white America actually wanted equality. In a 1967 speech, King announced that, quote, 
a violent revolution on the part of American blacks would find no sympathy and support from the white population, end quote. This is similar to thoughts expressed by Malcolm. In 1965, Malcolm said that, quote, It is the white man collectively who has shown that he is hostile towards integration and intermarriage and towards these other strides towards oneness, end quote. Even after many of their opinions came together, Malcolm and King didn't agree on everything. They continued to disagree on the role of violence in the civil rights movement. In March 1964, Malcolm asserted that it was wrong not to teach blacks how to defend themselves when they were constantly being attacked, and he supported gun rights. In December 1964, Malcolm said that he would support nonviolence if it was consistent and applied to everyone. Conversely, King was still committed to the principle of nonviolence even after 1965. King rearticulated this commitment in 1967. Now let me rush on to say we must reaffirm our commitment to nonviolence. I want to stress this. The futility of violence in the struggle for racial justice has been tragically etched in all the recent Negro riots. Despite the growth of both Malcolm's and King's political views, the centrality of the issue of violence or nonviolence in their perspective of the civil rights movement was maintained throughout their development. During their early years as civil rights activists and political observers, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. had many contrasting views. These views included the role of violence and whites in the civil rights movement, views of the United States, and black integration or separation. However, beginning in 1964 from Malcolm X and in 1965 from Martin Luther King Jr., their views began to change and became similar to one another. This largely had to do with the separation from the Nation of Islam and a religious epiphany in the case of Malcolm, and the Watts riots and northern ghettos, the rise of black power, and disillusionment with white liberal American opinions on the civil rights movement for King. As we heard, the perspectives between the two civil rights leaders came together in terms of their opinions of America, segregation and integration, their role in and view of the civil rights movement, black nationalism and self-affirmation, and white liberal Americans. Despite often being remembered as oppositional figures within American historical memory, both King and Malcolm complemented one another and met together with their political perspectives. This has been an episode on the political thought of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. All sources can be found on counterpowerhalfhour.com.